Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, New York experimentalist James Ferraro talks to us about his attempts to bring the avant-garde into contemporary R&B and how his new record subverts the glamour of his hometown. We also have music from Bright Light, Bright Light, Tina Shea and Sam Smith in Singles Club. That's all in Music Weekly from The Guardian. Joining us in the pod this week, Rebecca Nicholson. Hello. Hello. Nice to have you in. Thank you. What's been going on in the world of pop music this week? In the world of pop music. Well, the BBC have announced the sound of 2014 long list. Yeah. Which always throws up some debate because people yeah. say, oh, like this year, for example, no what, on, on, on the Very Guardian website, mm-hmm. no bands on the list. But I always understood this list to be who is likely to, to be, be big. big. It's, not, not, it's not a qualitative thing, Who do you thing, like best? It? No, it's, it's, it's who is going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a lack of bands on there. No, no, no. Who are the hot Nor picks? Nor am I that bothered. No, I can't but. even monkeys <laughs> Who are the hot picks? Well, we've just... I realised that we've actually had a lot of them in Singles Club this year already. Banks, we are zeitgeist we, we're ciphers. We're so zeitgeisty. Right. We've mm-hmm. had Banks. We've had Kalela. I don't know if we've had Chloe Howell, but we should have done because she's right. great. Right, right. Yeah. FK good. Twigs, she's been on, she's and good. then I've brought one of them today. That's how zeitgeisty Amazing. I am. Amazing. I've Sam Smith. Okay, I can never work out whether it matters that BBC poll or not. The hit rate is mixed. It's mixed, mm. but more recently, I think post Little Boots, everyone who's been mm. ordained, so to speak, has done very well. Yeah. Um, I think Little Boots was sort of everyone thought she was going to do brilliantly, and yeah. then it just didn't quite didn't quite happen. click. Yeah, her thunder was stolen, which is slightly. a shame. I was, shame list- I I was listening really to good. some of those songs again recently, and they oh, were brilliant. very uh, good. New in Town's fantastic yeah. record, but, but people from the list last year, like Haim and and Angel Hayes and those guys, have been quite big this year. So I think it has actually been yeah. quite a yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, who else? It's been Florence was one of them, wasn't she? Yeah. And I mean, all of the ones mm. post Little Boots have. Have definitely been massive. I have never been asked to vote on this, <laughs> and every year I just sit there waiting for my invitation, <laughs> just checking, refreshing my inbox every year. And every year, I don't know why. I, I'm obviously, you know, I never, I've never voted in it. Really? No. I bet you've been asked though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rub it in. Uh, why I don't, don't I just, you? I just, yeah. No, I just, I, I can't be bothered. Yeah. I don't think I should do. I didn't vote in the Brits this year. No, I didn't. I, I never I voted just, in that either. I've never. Every you know, year, I just think I don't really like any of this. <laughs> <laughs> you'll do it's Adele so... I like Adele she'll do no sorry, yeah, no, exactly. that's not I really think about it every year <laughs> <laughs> I've got some news um, that I think it's quite bad in a way it may slightly be my fault Elton John it looks like they're going to refuse Elton John entry to Russia because mm. well it, I don't know I read this story in, in another newspaper and we all know you can't trust them. And it seems to be implying that the reason they were uh, refusing to let him into Russia, which meant to play two gigs there this week, was because of something he said in a Guardian interview with me, mm. where he said, I'm going to go to Russia. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking part in any boycott. I'm going to go there and I'm going to tell them where to stick their anti-gay laws. And now they're imposing some say. new... It's, it's all very odd. The best bit of this story was that apparently he was meant to play there in the summer and couldn't because he became very ill. Um, but he was told if he was going to play there, not to wear flamboyant clothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> what counts really as like? flamboyant clothing? I, I would argue fine. that the shirt that you're currently wearing counts <clears throat> as flamboyant clothing. You think, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Again, I just sort podcast of thought, listeners, we should describe 
your shirt. I don't, I don't, I don't think. I don't think <laughs> really that. Right? It's fuchsia. It's fuchsia. <laughs> Stylish man. What can I say? You know, it's a shame. When they turn this into a vodcast, <laughs> you'll all be in for a treat. Um, what news have you got, Kieran? What's been going on in your world? The new Bieber song, All That Matters, is actually quite good. I liked it. I listened to it Bieber. lots yesterday. Bieber, Justin, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, right, okay. And uh, the video is very sexy. Which the the last Justin Bieber record. Mm-hmm. Uh, which had uh, R. Kelly on it, yes. had the most amazing lyric <laughs> on it, which was something like, after the club, in the car park, anywhere you want to go, or something like that, I'm going to be on top of you. <laughs> which is, it was some words to that effect. Anyway, it seemed to be implying that a romantic man, R. Kelly was giving his uh, his lady mm-hmm. the choice of anywhere in the car park to have it off with him, you know, <laughs> by the pay and display machine... By the recycling bins, you know, you name it. The, the world is your oyster. Amazing, amazing lyric. Uh, Jay-Z's going vegan. I so. saw that. It's probably Illuminati business, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Why is he going vegan? He just feels like it's the right time. Does know? he? Yeah. He's doing it for 22 days, though, isn't he? Yeah. He's not doing the full work. He's been inspired by his vegan friends and Beyonce's oh, joining Gwyneth, him. Gwyneth Paltrow. Is Gwyneth Paltrow vegan? She, well, according to Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbook, mm-hmm. she is not vegan, but she does often do vegan detox weeks. Um, Jay-Z's gone vegan. Jay-Z's You've gone You've heard vegan. Justin Bieber's new single. Yep, and Kanye is going to be working with Q-Tip and Rick Rubin on the new album, which is actually mm. very exciting because I thought Use Us was an excellent album this mm. year. Yep. One of my albums of the year, and <clears> if he has those two on board for the next one, that's good, right? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. What's your album of the year? I think it was Use Us. Mm. Kieran, what's your album of the year? Nothing was the same. Drake. Drizzy Drake. Really? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Amazing. Moist Rap, my favourite. Moist Rap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Let's move on to our interview with James Ferraro. He's become celebrated for his albums that variously pastiche cowboy blues, pop R&B, even corporate music. Now he's turned his attention to his hometown with his new LP, NYC Hell 3AM, an emotive reflection on 9-11, high finance and the psychic experience of living in the Big Apple. Ben Beaumont Thomas sat down to discuss it with him at the Unsound Festival in Krakow, Poland. So, across your uh, career so far, you've kind of gone through a series of really quite different stylistic changes. You've done kind of drone work, you've done of tropical lo-fi music mm. and now you're kind of moving on to sort of R&B balladry almost in a way what's kind of been the impetus behind those a, a lot of that stuff is, that you mentioned is from the earlier period and you know I was like definitely pretty, really young when I started I don't know I, I, it's hard for me to think of things in terms of genres anyway because I have ideas mm. and then I kind of create different sound worlds you know what I mean based on the ideas that I have but I don't necessarily stick to the idea of genres or mm. but style wise I just I, I, I know I have an interest in lots of different you know styles and stuff so I can speak about Farside Virtual for instance that record drew its inspiration from a lot of sort of the uncanniness of just life on earth you know um, in our society that we live in so you know I would kind of draw from that and like the music on that is, is very glossy and very like, cartoonish because I, I felt the uncanniness of a modern society is sort of padded with this kind of Pixar-like cartoonness to sort of distract from this uncanniness. Like, you know how Google Ads had this sort of customer service-friendly thing going on? And um, 
I wanted to really represent that in the album, so what I did was I just basically kind of mirrored that sort of fake sheen of something like Pixar. Mm. You know what I mean? So. It's weird. A lot of it was just really natural. You know, I would have certain ideas and the sound came, you know, very quickly for me. It wasn't like I, I, just, I was like, I'm going to make like this album sound like that. You know, just it happens like that, but it's very intuitive. You know, it just sort of, it just is. And it's hard for me to break it down, really. Something like Last American Hero as well, which was seemed fixated on this rather uncanny, just the way that we live now this weird modernity and it was reflected in the artwork which is of a kind of big best buy store and like a monster energy drink sort of superimposed but then the music itself is psychedelic and distorted almost what do you find uncanny about modern life well for that record uh, I, I i wanted the the sound to the texture to sort of have this plasticky kind of cowboy guitar sound, you know? But I also, for that record, wanted to reference the sort of plastic infrastructure that I was inspired by. And I, when I was recording that, I was in um, Florida, and I was staying at my grandparents' retirement community. And just the the infrastructure of that living arrangement is, is pretty crazy. It's, it's like kind of like fake stucco homes and just ready-made paintings. Like my Her house actually was kind of adorned with um, Thomas Kincaid paintings. And like, though that came with the house, like, you know, like, Thomas Kincaid Incorporated or whatever had, you know, licensed its paintings out, you know what I mean, to, to housing developers. So that was just in the house. So I recorded it there, but I, I think the psychedelia that you're talking about, the way that I saw it was I wanted it to sound kind of distant, or a sort of a separate experience inside of that. And I, I, it, it ended up being really, uh, a bit emotional I think or there were some elements where you can feel that there's a human involved and I think as I continued on work, working with those themes like I've done other records like Farsad I think what I did was um, kind of subtracted myself or anything you know that, that I did musically like naturally you know I kind of like you know just like with every record disappeared more until we got to Farsad Virtual which was just this literally this um, kind of music you know, just devoid of anything really, you know. With your new records, Hell, you're very much back in the room again. It's very emotional. Yeah. Uh, what was the trigger for that? This record just sort of came into being on its own. It, it was really free, um, the way I, the way I recorded it. So yeah, the themes that you're talking about that that was just a part of the excavation process, really, of just kind of writing down my environment and just matching, you know, tones and textures with what I was seeing, you know, you know, and I kind of through that way built this kind of sculpture. I, I, that's why I look at it of 
of New York, or just like my environment. Also on the record, I think the doominess or something gets the most attention on this record, but there are also are moments of release from that, you know? There's moments of self-reflecting. It kind of moves in this rhythm, I feel, from moments of despair to moments of beauty. Just from what I was experiencing and what I was kind of trying to communicate on this record, there's a, a really unique relationship, I think, to money. I mean, most major cities are like that, but I, I feel like in New York, there's this really hyper-present money situation. It being really hyper-present also creates this detachment of, of having any real meaning, you know? So it's like something like repeating in your face. That's why the album repeats money. Like at the beginning, it, it repeats the word money because I, I wanted to kind of represent this like hyper-present concept. And at the same time, by being really hyper-present, it's just almost unseen, you know, or unattainable. So like, I feel that's a condition of New York pretty heavily, and there's a lot of things I think are symptoms of that, of just the idea of money being sort of pushed at you really hard. You mean sort of emotional symptoms, the way people act with one another? Behavior, yeah, behavior emotional. Yeah, I just think there's a social behavior. There's a lot of things that I think are just symptoms of that, that thing of, of just the money, the money demon. You know, it's like the money thing of New York is it, it kind of pulses in that way. One thing when I was recording this record, it was really interesting. Was uh, I actually drew a lot of inspiration from ATMs because uh, we were talking about uncanniness earlier, and the way that I think the ATM machine that you inter you interact with it, you know, the cues and the prompts and everything, it has this fake like friend vibe. You know what I mean? It's really weird. I kind of thought that was a very like intense allegory. Of, of New York and just like the whole money situation where I feel like that was speaking to the social situation of having friends through money and then sort of being a part of society with money but then you know I'm just talking about in a general sense of what people are after what their goals are and their ambitions you seem to be less of a player in that game you know when you have less money you know so I thought that was kind of interesting how the ATM sort of and it's like kind of allegory, like put, like put that out there, you know. So money is almost this kind of social lubricant for New York. Definitely. I mean, I think every city, but there's a particular brand of it that I really have always been fascinated since I was a kid. It definitely has this really sinister kind of larger than life feeling about it. I don't know. I can detect a little of the trauma of, of 9-11 in there as well. I mean, was that something you were reflecting on? Yeah, definitely. That was something, like, again, I feel like that's a part of the psychic exterior of New York. Just, I think, people, that's embedded in people's brains. I actually made an album about 9-11 a long time ago called Multitopia, and I just really wanted to revisit some of the things I, I did on that record. After 9-11, it was such a an insane media event and people really connected with the TV in this really like insane emotional and psychological way and if you notice after 9-11 a lot of things changed in American television like reality TV show really sort of literally I think like a year later it really skyrocketed and I always kind of attribute that somehow to 9-11 or somehow that was in my own way but that was a way to kind of landmark it so that record is kind of just about the, the shift in consciousness, or the media consciousness of post-9-11 sort of trauma in the media and, and American minds. You know, you see little reminders everywhere, you know, like, there'll be stickers, like, you know, fire department stickers, and, you know, like, never forget is a huge post-9-11 slogan. So it's just sort of 
you know, um, I don't know, canvassed everywhere. You know what I mean? You'll just see plaques everywhere. And, I mean, obviously every 9-11 they'll have uh, these, like, two light beams, like, shoot into the sky. I mean, no one really pays attention. It's really funny, but... Uh, <laughs> but it's just, so people have got sort of 9-11 fatigue almost. This is, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just... That, that's kind of also what I wanted to, was, to express is how there is a... Yeah, like, this repetition of these images and this, these symbols and the symbolic meaning that, like, kind of it becomes, like, this, this simulation. Like, I think now we're at a point where, where when we see those beams, we're referencing the memorial of 9-11 rather than the actual event. You know, you know what I mean? So I think there's this kind of confusion or this dissonance. And, and where do you see uh, your work kind of going next? Do you, do you feel like you're going down this sort of songwriting path almost? I, I'm always, like, sketching new things out. NYC Hell is definitely the beginning of, of something. I don't know if it'll be the same like like form or structure, but um, it's definitely a, a new beginning for me. You know, uh, a lot of the themes. I mean, I'm definitely still exploring a lot of the themes because it, it's it's hard. You know, with each record, it's weird. You know, you put out a record, and then that's supposed to sum up all your, you know, your intellectual thoughts and like everything that that you're trying to work with. And for me, the way that I like to work is I like to work where every album kind of speaks to the next one, and it's a series of you know, transforming thoughts, you know? Well, NYC Hell was actually kind of cool because I felt like I, I really contained a world and an idea in it, and so it's like a standalone record. That was James Ferraro, and his album NYC Hell 3AM is out now on Genepool Records. It is time for Singles Club. Let's start with guests first, Rebecca's Choice. When I sign my deal, I feel pressure. Don't want to see the numbers, I want to see heaven. You say could you write a song for me? I say I'm sorry, but do that I believe. When I go home, I tend to close the door. I never want to more. So sing with me, can't you? Becca's Choice in Singles Club. Money on my mind! Uh, Is that going to be the new Wild Beast? (laughs) (laughs) Get the guy from Wild Beast into duet with Sam Smith. Money on my mind! Even if you do it even higher. Only dogs would be able to hear that bit. Every dog in the neighbourhood's freaking out. So tell us about uh, Sam Smith. I'm amazed he found time to make this record in between running that chain of pubs. Yay! <laughs> Very reasonably priced lager. Um, I first heard about Sam Smith. I first heard his voice on Disclosure's track, Latch. Great record. Which is a great record. And for, for some reason, I just didn't... And then I saw Disclosure in Brixton and they brought Sam Smith out and he did it. And I was really surprised. I didn't expect him to look like that. I don't know what I expected. For the benefit, benefit of people who haven't seen Sam Smith, what does he look like? I mean, he's just a sort of... He looks kind of like a regular man. Just a okay. like regular guy. Regular. What did you expect? Too much gel in his head, though. I don't know. I don't know what I expected. It wasn't quite that. But anyway, his voice is 
very high. Very high. Very high. He's showing off a bit on this one. Really? He's got how a hint much of that can... out of the darkness about him. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. But I really like the money on my mind bit because I think it's a, quite a lovely, sort of soulful, housey pop song. And he does nice little things with his voice. And then that arrives and, and takes you by surprise and takes it, it, it somewhere takes else. I fear it's the kind of hook line that, I mean, you know, I've had it in my head since first time I heard it. Yeah. I've not been able to get it out of my head. There will come a point possibly in the next few days, when I want it to be out of my yeah. head because it's starting to get on my wick a bit. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I think that's a, um, a, a a pretty good pop song. I think it's the kind of thing it's probably going to be a hit. I think it's going to be a hit. It's going to be a hit. Yeah. Kieran, do you think it's going to be a hit? You don't think it's no, going to be a hit? No, I hate it. I, I, yeah, I, I hate Sam Smith as well. Um, he, only, what's he done with him on Personally. that? Yeah. Come on, what? You know that um, Naughty Boy track he was on, the La La La, which yeah. was, was la, number la, one la. for ages, La La La. Yeah, it was like huge selling record and a big pop hit of the year. But I thought his voice was really grating on that. And I think it's even more grating on this. Money on my mind. What's annoying about that, right? No, no, no. Um, he, he is going to have one of those voices where you are. Either. Yeah, yeah. He's got that kind of John Newman quality to it where it's a little bit nasal and I get what he's trying to do and I get why John Newman kind of works with rudimental but I don't think this works with that pop sound or disclosure so well because it's just really uncharismatic I think. Do you think? Don't you think? I think he's much better than John Newman. John Newman is so, to me, so clearly a plan B. He's moulded in the shape of plan B. This is worse. Do you? Yeah. (laughs) I confess I've not really expended much time Ranking Sam Smith and John Newman. Um, we need someone to mediate. Murder, um, murder. I can't. I can't be. Uh, I can't offer the judgment of Wise Solomon on this. So I think that's going to be a hit, and I think it will start annoying me after a while. Yeah. yeah. This is coming out as a single, is it? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you, know, you just say it out. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, you probably will do. I think after it this, is. Yeah, after think this podcast, is. after they hear what we have to say about it. <laughs> um, that's Money on My Mind by Sam Smith. Let us move on to Kieran's Choice. Kieran's choice. It's Blackwater by Tinashe. Tell us about Tinashe. 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 Well, yeah, yeah, that's what you say. That's what you say. <laughs> is originally from Kentucky, but is Kentucky. Kentucky <laughs> is now based in LA, and she has released this mixtape uh, called Blackwater, which I think is really, really brilliant. And unfortunately, it has just come out, so it didn't make any of my end of year list, which is really annoying. I bet she's just kicking herself about that. We all she's are. Sat, sat at we home. All she's going to go back to Kentucky. Oh, she's, she's going to it's, it's not. Is it, is it on, Kieran? <laughs> yeah, end of year list. That's what she's asking. But yeah, no, I, th- I think it's really great. She is a 20 year old singer songwriter and sort of ex model and ex girl group member. What um, was the girl group she was in? The Stunners. 
<laughs> the suns that's, go great. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the so stars. <laughs> Sandbox on lead vocals. <laughs> Lucy um, Pinder and the stars. Um, they amazing. used to open for Justin Bieber. They were his opening act. Wow. So if you just saw Justin Bieber five You'd years ago, you'd have seen the stunners. You would have seen. <laughs> Amazing, the stunners. Yeah. Anyway, they they were stunners, and they were like very very pop girl group mm-hmm. esque. You know, very bubblegum, exactly what you'd expect. Which is why I really like her on her own because this is a lot more sort of grown up sounding. And I was thinking of it in relation to the R and B sounds that we've heard this year, which have been so kind of super glitchy and electronic and kind of filled with all these kind of interesting sounds I feel like this was although it is a really lo-fi track it's quite a nice move away from that and it feels a lot more soulful rather than that kind of alt R&B type sound Um, interesting because I thought it was all of a piece with that not being able to differentiate perhaps as uh, as clearly between micro genres of R&B as you I sort of thought yeah I can sort of see how this fits in with you know the weekend yeah I I can hear it but I don't think I would listen to this and and be more drawn to the producer than the vocalist right She's worked with Jack Green, hasn't she, before? Yes. I really liked her track with him. And Ryan Hemsworth did a remix and and that kind of thing. Canadian Sad Boy. Canadian (laughs) Sad Boy. (laughs) Great, that should be the name of... Some sort of sub the weekend kind of artist, or Canadian sad boy. Drake and Ryan Hemsworth. Rebecca, you like this? I liked it. Yeah, it, it, I don't know if we'll hear the full climax of it, but it builds really nicely mm, towards the end, true. and it's layers upon layers upon layers, which is right up my street. I really like it. Yeah, it reminds me of. I never know how you say her name. Is it Jenna Aiko? It reminds me of that kind of thing, where, like you say, the vocals lovely and it's really soulful and it's really yeah, I liked it. Excellent. Um, Blackwater by Tina Shea. Uh, which I liked, actually. No, no one's asked my opinion, but yeah. <laughs> give it yeah, anyway. Uh, Blackwater by Tinashe, which I like. It's, that's uh, why you're Britain's top. But it's Britain's top critic. rock critic. It's brilliantly incisive commentary like that that's made me Britain's top rock critic. I like it. Um, yeah, I like it. If you like music like that, you'll be into that. Finally, let's go with my choice. As a boy. My choice, that's uh, In Your Care by Bright Light, Bright Light, who we had on the pod a while back talking about cassettes. I like lots of things. But one of the things I like in music is when somebody does electronic pop music and just hits the right note of melancholy in a song. Examples from history, the work of the Pet Shop Boys often, often does that very well. Voyage Voyage by Desireless, amazing record, that kind of thing. And this, I think he's just nailed it on this song. Emotionally, I found it quite impactful. I think that this, this, he's got a really good voice, but it's not a kind of showy voice at all. Um, I think his work tends to, unfortunately, slip between a lot of different stools. Bright light, bright light, you know. But yeah, I just, I th- I just think he's actually a really good songwriter, and this shows off his songwriting too. Well, it's funny that you said the melancholy thing, because he often reminds me of a sort of boy Robin and it's yes. that kind of thing. This track particularly, mm. it really reminded me of a, a boy version of Robin. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. No, that's good. No, I think that's a, very, that's a very apposite comparison. And I'm eager to hear, he's got a new album coming out, I think, next year. I think. 
This is off an EP, and I'd be eager to hear what he comes up with because I think he's getting better as a songwriter all the time as well. I think he's kind of matured considerably from yeah. this. From his debut album, Make Me Believe in Hope, which was one of the Guardian's albums of the year last year. It was in the top, top 20 albums of the year. That's Kieran? Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't mean to be a hater today, but... Um, you are. I didn't <laughs> You've been drinking I, that hater aid. I did not like it. Okay. Um, I, I feel like it just sort of sonically, there wasn't really much else happening. Kind of what we just heard then is pretty much good indication of what happens in the rest of the track. And I didn't like his voice because at some points it kind of... I mean, it goes almost like oper- it has an almost operatic quality to it. Sometimes well, we say that after we've heard "Money on My Mind" by Sam Smith. <laughs> no, this guy's, you know, I've got to say, Rod appears to be the uh, absolute soul of subtlety and uh, discreet like good that. taste. Also, I feel like you know that kind of mid-tempo house pop um, sound has to be done in a far more interesting way at this point in the year because we've had so much of it, and I don't think that. Interesting. Do you think we've had a lot, a lot of music like this this year? Because I don't. So that's interesting. What, what would yeah. you what would you point up as being similar to this? Most rap tracks have had house remixes, like you know, oh, right. sort of like you know, deep house uh, remixes. Ryan Hensworth has done loads of stuff like this. Then kind of. Randomer, any kind of pitchfork mix of the year, <laughs> or like all of, you know, all of these things that you hear, you, you, you know, I feel like this is a sound that's played out in clubs constantly. But it's funny it with Rod because I feel like he's not he's not trying to do that kind of thing. Like that's he just sort of is doing classic pop the way he, he likes nineties pop music, yeah. doesn't he? He's, he's he's a fan of uh, yeah, I agree. the I original version of Rhythm of the Night by Corona. Yeah, you know? that, um, yeah. As opposed to I agree. I don't feel like he's necessarily responding to the trends, but I feel like because the trends exist, you have to be doing it a bit more interestingly because they exist you know what mm, I mean yeah. so it's that kind of catch 22 where you kind of you know you might not be informed by that but because they exist you have to be doing it in a better way okay well look, a varied spectrum of opinions though yeah. about bright light bright light if uh, you are by any chance listening to this podcast in LA on Friday you'll be pleased to know that uh, bright light bright light is appearing in Los Angeles at a gay club called dick slap tonight so uh, get yourself out <laughs> of dick slap um that's about it from Singles Club. And indeed, that's it for this week. Thanks to Rebecca Nicholson and Kieran Yates. Thank you, Rebecca, for Thank coming you. in. Kieran, I'll see you next week. Yep. More on all this, as ever, at theguardian.com forward slash music. That's theguardian, all one word, dot com forward slash music. We will see you in seven days' time. Bye-bye. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN. 